Well, hello, everybody. You're listening to the Woodworkers Podcast. I'm Ben Brunick. I've got Phil Morley and Ramon Valdez again with me here today. How are you two guys doing? Fantastic. Doing great, Ben. Wonderful. Say, we've got a special guest on, uh, Sarah Watlington, out of Los Angeles, um, San Diego native, Krenoff School graduate, 2017, 18, I believe was the years uh, we were talking before the show, and uh, project manager at uh, Offerman Woodshops. How are you doing, Sarah? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for dealing with us. <laughs> Shh, they, nobody knows. No, we, we don't just have to talk through, about any okay? of that. Every, talk about everyone it. just assumes. <laughs> everyone <laughs> knows. <laughs> Struggle to get the dumb thing going. No and technical here we go. difficulties no, at never. all. <laughs> never. going to jinx us. I'm sorry. Great, great, to, <laughs> great to have you, sir. <laughs> thanks, Phil. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for for coming on. I, I I suppose we should just kind of get started in with you know I we might as well get like your um, background story quick out of the way um, so we can get into the the more fun stuff. But um, you were raised in San Diego, but then um, ended up at the Krenov School. I suppose we should probably talk just a little bit about what you were doing before the Krenov School. Um, just kind of give people some background. Sure thing. Uh, I started doing construction and building and just getting familiar with like rough carpentry and framing a- about 10 years ago. I had gone to school for interior design, actually, right out of high school. I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do, but that actually put me on construction sites, which made me realize I knew nothing about the building process. And so kind of just as a way to familiarize myself and and like become more competent to speak to the tradespeople, I started building. But then I realized I liked building way more than I liked the interior design. So I just kind of shot off in that direction and never looked back. And I was doing a lot of rough carpentry, and then I just got finer and finer Pretty quickly, my interests kind of zeroed in on furniture over a, a couple years, and um, yeah, it's been it's been furniture ever since. So I've been before the Krenov School. I was pretty much all self-taught. I had a scrappy communal shop in Oakland, California, with a bunch of friends. Or twelve of us piled in a warehouse. I think we all paid a hundred dollars a month in rent. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so there I taught myself a lot of the foundational skills and then and then I moved to Los Angeles where I got jobs, a lot of menial sanding and finishing work, but just kind of any work I could get in shops. And then I went to the Krenov school about 5 years into my woodworking journey and that was a long time coming and I knew I just wanted to get a lot better a lot faster and it definitely did that for me. What what made you decide on Krenov was it a, a because it was a local thing or well it is I would say it's I mean it's it's one of the best woodworking schools in the country right. and I actually I don't know if a lot of people know this but it's it's actually structured through the community college system so it is wildly affordable for the education that you get so if you think of like the East Coast private schools, I think they're like $15,000 a year or something. And the Krenov School, you pay normal community college tuition rates. So it definitely the cost of it was the only feasible option for me. But also being in California and 
I was familiar with Cronava. I had read The Impractical Cabinet Maker, and I did, en- I did enjoy it. Um, I was actually really familiar with Laura Mays, the director of the school, who I think you guys have chatted with. Yeah. And, and she was also a big draw to the school as well. Um, you know, representation works. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I thought that so, yeah. would, that, that's one of the, one of the things that I think it was so interesting, you know, when we were, when we reached out to you and asked you if, if you would be nice enough to, to be on, we haven't had somebody who's been through, we've had a number of college of the Redwoods, graduates but we haven't had any Cranoff school like people that have gone through the program with Laura so I, I you know I, I think it'd be interesting just to kind of talk about the the program you know we don't want to go like too terribly right. long we really want to talk about your work but um the the program with Laura um and and your experience from it I, I yeah. think would be really interesting to hear and and how you know just just how you know how, how you felt like it it really helped you in your career and or did it give you kind of the focus on the work you wanted to do or was it super romantic and then reality kicked it like just just the overall like experience of it because it sounds i mean yes we've spoken to people that have done the Kronoff program but i know with laura there she she mentioned she's kind of approaching things a little bit different but still being very respectful to Kronoff. um so yeah I, i'm just really excited to be able to chat to you about your experience at the school yeah definitely uh well i i i went to the school and a handful of years after laura became the director so i think there were some more transitional years and by the time i got there it very much felt like how things were like laura was the director people i i saw people more and more um making replicas of her furniture more than Krenov, to be honest, by yeah. especially the second year I was there. So there's definitely a, a Laura draw now. People still come for Krenov as well, but I think the further away the school, the further away we all get from Krenov um, not being like present in the school every day, I think the further we get away from kind of the focus on his specific work but very much the the ethos and the style of of woodworking is still very much steeped in that tradition and i don't think that's going to go anywhere uh, but i think there's more exploration of interesting forms now than there used to be sorry Kronoff. um but people people try more interesting things now and i think laura has a lot to do with that because she has such a great design sense uh, interesting her background's in architecture and you can really tell in the things yeah. that she builds but for myself personally yeah, it was romantic. It was fulfilling. It was just nitty gritty, like so many hours of woodworking with tools in your hand that you just, it doesn't matter if you start at zero and you get there, if you already have some, some woodworking knowledge like I did, you just get infinitely better purely by the number of hours that you spend in the shop because you spend, we were actually, yeah, we, our class it used to be like the students leave at 10, wink, wink, but uh, people would stay like, all, you know, you would just keep woodworking hand tools after hours, but you would just stay in the shop as late really as cool. you could handle it. Um, I think they enforce now <laughs> the 10 o'clock curfew. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have even said that. Um, but <laughs> many, 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 many hours spent in the shop. And it's definitely a transition to get out of the program. I was lucky enough to be offered the job where I'm at now at Offerman Woodshop before I got back because I had worked for them the year prior doing a lot of sanding and finishing. And 
I think going to the school gave me a lot of confidence to say, oh, I actually do know what I am doing. I, right. I'm a very competent woodworker now. And yes, I can build furniture for you on you know, f all of your commissions. So that's what I do at Offerman Woodshop is I build the commission furniture. I design and build it. And really cool. yeah, it's a transition. You, I still am lucky enough to get to work with solid wood most of the time. And I get to use my hand tools still. I, I believe in a block plane as opposed to straight off the saw if I can you know so uh, I've, uh, I've still like kept the quality of the work that they kind of t teach you and and that you carry through the kind of school I, I think I've managed to keep that but also understanding that that's the pure the purism of it isn't isn't an a viable option for people trying to make a living at it. And that probably right. just would transition to the rest of your life because you realize that sharp tools and, you know, honing with uh, honing in on on a cut with a hand plane is really fundamental in getting quality work. You can't you can't skip some of that stuff. Yeah, I mean going to the Crown school I was just like I want to understand what it takes to make as fine a furniture as I see mm. here and as I see in the world and I didn't understand before and yeah, you know, it's it's actually not that much of a mystery. It's like sharp tools, go slow, use test stock. Like, make a plan. It just takes time. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's always surprising when clients think the material is the biggest factor in the, right. in the piece. It's like, that's I don't even think about it half the time. Right. It's, it's just the amount of hours that go into it. Um, now, it, I noticed, too, like, one of the things that seems fantastic with a lot of people that go to – uh, uh, an in-depth program like that is they get to leave with uh, a portfolio, um, uh, you know, several pieces. And did, did you feel like, I mean, obviously you got to do that, um, but do you feel like that kind of helped? Uh, was that a part of like when you went and got the job with the Offerman shop, uh, the fact that you have gone to the school, you have some pieces of portfolio, because that's what's usually difficult people to find work if they don't have the portfolio to be able to show like hey look this is what i've done um so was that something that you found very helpful too absolutely i mean the three the four pieces that i made at the krenov school which are all beautiful thank you uh yeah i mean one of them was accepted into the making a seat at the table women in woodworking show which introduced me to the escher people which got my friendships developed with them, which brought on this creative and esoteric thing that I just did. And yeah, I think it, what's been hard is to realize that spec pieces like that are are not something... I, when I got out of school, I thought, okay, I'm going to work full-time making furniture and then I'm going to keep going with my spec pieces and I'm going to make... Okay, I'm, I'm going to make two spec pieces a year. And realistically, like each of those pieces took you know 60 to 80 hours a week for a couple months it's just you do the math and you realize that's that's actually not possible <laughs> but you've got them in your back pocket you know yeah. you, you you did those pieces and they are your design it's hard to tell people hey I, you should have me design you a piece when you can't show them a piece that you've designed so mm -hmm. you do have some pieces to start off with so I, that's a, a huge thing and going back to the you know the sharp tools and that type of thing um, just having that background, just for that period of time, you you got to see what that what that was, or what those what sharp tools or that type of work can do, and then that just educates you going forward, so you can see would it be easier to be using a block plane in this situation, or 
is is this machine the better the better option because you know you get into the the legitimate business side of things and you, and you have to make those those decisions have to be made definitely yeah that's a- man i think i i i just think that the the program is it's those programs is just a great way to accelerate you yeah they just into launch you propel you through a lot of the Absolutely. Or, yeah, but not, or, not everybody. Not everybody can afford uh, afford it, money wise or time wise. Yeah, you know, it's just. Yeah. But it's it, true. The nine month is a really big commitment. The summer program is a three or six weeks, and that's actually a lot more accessible. Sure. And um, actually, I would love to plug. Some friends and I raised a bunch of money for some scholarships for the summer program, specifically for BIPOC woodworkers, which is like Black, Indigenous, and people of color. And those are rolling out this year, and that's really exciting mm, because. Right opening doors to to Absolutely. and that's march 31st is the deadline that's the deadline yeah i'm not sure when this will when this will come out but if it comes out before hopefully people hear that and and apply yeah absolutely it's a, it's a great the three weeks is a really intensive version of all of the education you get at the nine months so it's definitely worth it if you can't swing a whole year away from the world right right that's really cool yeah i was listening to some of your um your, your talk with Emily, uh, creative on Estric, and I found it really interesting how you were talking about making the models, the small models, and how yes. a lot of times customers are really just almost unappreciative or <laughs> unimpressed. <laughs> did, did I say that? I forgot I said that. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's one of my <laughs> It's true. Yeah, I've actually been pretty surprised. I'm like, here's the model, and, and they're and they're just they just they don't really get. Okay, when are you gonna start? I'm like, oh, it's so precious. Come I on. know, right? <laughs> it like looks that. exactly like what the piece is gonna look like. And that that's that is a yeah. Listen, I've I've yeah I've seen that. I've, I've I thought that, that was interesting. Experience. You put all that time and effort into the design, <laughs> and, and you figured out all do these fi- details. And yeah, do you, do you find that that doing small scale models i know you mm-hmm. you're a big fan of that mm-hmm. um drawing do you, do you do drawings or do you do you rely on small scale for the most part and and you know cuz there there's different phil you know you design so much in uh in sketchup just because it's yeah, a, nowadays. You know, it's right because it's it's something that you're fluent in i'd and like to hear definitely yeah progression from models to kind of experience what your experience was. Like, I think I was doing the models more for me, which is fine. But yeah. then the clients didn't. And then drawing on vellum, and then just it slowly led to digital. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, what what is your process, I think? Sorry, Ben, I didn't mean to cut you off. But, yeah, what, what is your process uh, with that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a kind of a mix of all the things. I And I guess it depends on the project. If it's a more rectilinear project, I usually don't bother with models. But if there are unusual angles or, or different shaping, that uh, nothing gives me more clarity. And it's way less frustrating to build a small model with weird angles in real life than on something like SketchUp. And maybe I'm just not very good at SketchUp. I should probably just suck it up and get more familiar with it. But I, I, do, I do simple sketches and perspective drawings and then I either build a model or I draw it in AutoCAD in two dimension like if it's a more uh, traditional form or if it's a a dining table without a lot of angles I draw in AutoCAD which is something uh, left over from design school that I 
acquired and still use. And I draw it. Uh, usually, I'll draw parts of the piece in full scale, depend you know to figure out the joinery and stuff. Right. And then I'll make mock-ups of either design details that still need to be figured out or just kind of like yeah to figure out the joinery and then i and then i built yeah so like let's just say something really random what if someone asked you to do a record player (laughs) i would be very excited i would (laughs) reach out to a lot of people because i know nothing about audio equipment no i actually (laughs) wait can i tell people that that (laughs) yeah i mean i reached out to phil i I have uh, I've been working on this commission for a record player, and I actually sounds reached, awesome. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I reached out, and not just a not not like a sideboard with a record, uh, with a turntable on top of it, like one of those small tabletop record consoles that you can carry around that have incorporated speakers and turntables, and so it's cool. it's really cool. But actually, uh, I had no idea how unusual of a project it was, and how. <laughs> A few yeah. people do it because I guess actually what I'm learning about audio stuff is there are those those sorts of small consoles exist and they cost only about 150 bucks, but it's because they're all made out of plastic and the speakers have no bass. So once you buy speakers that have any bass at all, which is all speakers except those really crappy speakers that you get in those small boxes, then you have to start dealing with what the effect of the bases on the turntable, which will cause reverb and vibrations. So you have to isolate them all from each other. So pretty much, I, you know, in this whole project, actually, it's been really fun. It's taken me on all these twists and turns and introduced me to a lot of uh, audiophiles and woodworkers and then audiophile woodworkers. There's actually this um, this guy named Joel who run, he has a company called Audio Wood. Uh, and he, he, I found him, and he's been incredibly helpful, actually. Shout out to Joel, if he ever hears this. Because um, he, he makes turntables like incorporated into different pieces of wood, and so he has a kind of understanding of the woodworking and the audio. But anyways, yada, yada, yada. I have to build like a, multiple boxes within the box and take components from existing turntables and... I have a friend who builds synthesizers who's going to help me hook up the wires. Yeah, it should be fun. But it, so it's it sounds amazing. well when you said like a totally kind of different uh, when, when you called me or when we said like what I'll, I'll be wanting to talk to you about it and you said what it was. I was like, what? Like I don't know if I'm any help here, but yeah, I was thinking like record console cabinet. Yeah, it's like no, like one of those portable. But how cool is that to have a client to be like, I know I can buy a shit one for 200 bucks but i want that that model but done really really well and yeah. just and something unique i mean i think that's I mean, that's kind of why we do this you know like we we want to do those fun crazy uh projects now is this so, is yeah. this something that you're doing through offerman woodshop or is this do are you do you still do work on your own or do you have time probably don't have time no i don't really have time i all the commissions that i do are through offerman woodshop and uh yeah, this client reached out through Offerman, and I guess her and her fiance are getting married, and it's a gift to him. Oh, that's so awesome. that's a pretty great gift. So, how many employees are are there at Offerman? There are three of us on the floor, and one person in the office. Mm. Three or four of us on the floor, but it's mostly um, 
our shop is unique because it's owned by our wonderful human of a boss, Nick Offerman, who's a famous actor that most people know of. And when he, he had his wood shop and then he got famous and then he started letting other woodworkers use it. And then to support the shop, they started selling small products with the Offerman logo on it. And that kind of really took off. And for a number of years, a lot of the way that the shop generated its money was through the smaller products, which still make the shop a lot of money, but we also do commission furniture. So I'm the person who who does all the commission furniture pretty much. And then my other wonderful coworkers do a lot of the smaller products. It's pretty rad. It's great. It's, it's so a wonderful place to work. Yeah, so it's it's just like everybody else, it's an evolution. You just you're yeah. you're continually the shop, you're trying to figure out how to how to make it go and yeah. Always problem solving. And, and that came so you kind of I know we got a little off track or maybe we didn't get off track, that seems to be what we do. But you, you came so you did the the Kronoff program and then straight out of that you came into this job. Is that correct? Yeah, so actually the trajectory of it was and actually Laura Mays plays a role in this because I lived in the Bay Area and I went to a student show uh, the only student show they've ever brought down to San Francisco from the Karnov School, I went to it because I was thinking I would have wanted to attend the school. And I met Laura, and I said, she, she just says, I don't even think she really remembers this, but I said, I'm really interested in going to your school, but I'm going to move to Los Angeles first. And she said, oh, you're moving to Los Angeles. Let me put you in contact with all of the woodworkers that I know in Los Angeles. And she just did, which was very kind of her because she did not know me at all. And I, one of the people was named Lee and she had my position at Offerman so in the past so I reached out to Lee she brought me in to say hello and um, I pretty much just sanded cutting boards for them for a whole year (laughs) (laughs) and then I went to the Kronoff school and then the person who was in my position now left and they offered me the job okay okay yeah that's the story (laughs) okay that's awesome So I, I paid my dues, and then I went to school, and then I came back, and they gave, and then they gave me the the, yeah. the boss position. The, the, the bus, the bus position. Yeah, <laughs> I think we all at but some point can, have to pay the sanding. Yeah, you do the sanding oh, yeah. dues. Get, get, right. Guess who's, sand, guess who's sanding right now in my shop? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> she does a lot more than sanding, but yeah, right. She, right. she does a lot. But of it's part of it, and it's and it's one of the most important. It parts really of, is. I mean, you can for, for a piece of furniture, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't just let anyone sand. <laughs> right. Screw, screw it up pretty quick. But you can actually screw it up. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Easy. Right. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. And, and also, Laura um, got you with that connection. But the reason that you got the connection with Laura is because you were paying attention and you went to that show. Right? You don't go to the show. You don't. You, you had ambition. You were, you were looking to figure out what you wanted to do so you were doing stuff you you went to that thing and 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 you and you met her there and i mean that's how you, you don't get anywhere by by not doing stuff yeah no i yeah follow every connection you possibly can and know as many people as possible mm-hmm. that's yeah. really a, a way to make things happen in your life even if you're not even if you don't make really strong connections it's super useful to just introduce yourself to and be familiar with and like make good impressions on as many people as you can yeah and 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 be interested be interested in Uh, in the work yeah people can tell yeah people can tell when you're passionate i think i remember asking a couple questions at the q a at the course so maybe she maybe she noticed (laughs) that i was very excited about woodworking and yeah 
That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. When it's when it's real, it shows. I mean, mm-hmm. there's just there's no doubt about it. Um, and you, and you've got to put yourself you've got to put yourself into those into those positions. I mean, and you can't look at it as oh, I'm going to do this so that I can so that I can get in here or whatever. You know, you just if you're genuinely interested and willing to willing to walk through doors that get opened for you then then you're which is that what's that like what means an opportunity but um it it is uh, kind of because i wanted to hear a little bit but it seems like you did put yourself out there and you and a lot of it to me i always think it's just i always just call myself lucky more than anything but um you know putting yourself out there meeting people and then people thinking of you being being kind just being a decent person and passionate about what you're doing and being willing to help others, uh, but I, I know as 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 a female woodworker, there can be a lot less opportunities uh, in in male dominated shops. Um, I know a lot of male woodworker friends of mine that were kind of surprised I hired a, a female. Not not necessarily because it's a female, but it's just like you know they that that made them feel a little uncomfortable having a woman in the shop. And I don't know if it's like during a if they're in a bad bad relationship with their wife or something, and they think they're gonna fall in love with this woman. It was very odd uh, oh. to me, but it made me realize, yeah, like that's something I haven't had to deal with at all. You know, like I I worked in many different shops and stuff, and yes, it was all men. Um, yeah. So I was kind of I was wondering if you had. That experience of having a hard time finding finding an apprenticeship because I get people asking all the time about apprenticeships and I know Amanda kind of did and she put herself out there and she was passionate and she she you know came from uh, New Mexico to Austin and, and and you know try to align things for her and and I that's why I hired her I saw that she was passionate and and she wanted to you know she wanted to really do this um, but. Uh, I mean, would, do you think, did you kind of skip that a little bit because you kind of found that perfect space with Offerman or did you have uh, some of that experience having a hard time finding um, an apprenticeship or, or work? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have had both luck and challenges. I definitely, I was given simple opportunities when I moved to Los Angeles after kind of hitting the pavement and applying for a lot of jobs and but again no one let me do anything but orbital sand for quite a while uh, whereas I see you know someone the three of us three friends moved to Los Angeles uh, at the same time and uh, my partner at the time was a six four man who had just as much experience as I did and he had a job in a cabinet shop making furniture like the first week we were there or something. So I think that what you deal with is, um, I mean, I don't feel very inhibited by my gender. I feel like it's never been something that I kind of let hold me back or something that I'm actually that interested in thinking about that often. But I think if I can speak on that at all, it's that if you're a woman in a male-dominated field or if you're a person of color in a white world, which is unfortunately like the world um you have to prove to people that you're competent people don't just assume that you're competent so you know this my six four uh six foot four partner walks into a cabinet shop 
and they go, oh yeah, you got the job. You're good. Clearly, you, clearly you can do this. And you know, me as a, a five four, not not man, uh, I walk into a shop and they're like, they don't they don't you, see me in the same way. You, you want know? a sand? <laughs> yeah, like here's an orbital sander and yeah. yeah. So if I could speak on it at all, it's that. Yeah, and then I'm in California, which and I'm in Los Angeles. You know, it kind of fancies itself very progressive and liberal and. And then I was truly lucky to find the job at my wood shop now, which is we actually don't have any men working in our wood shop. There's, oh, wow. It's all women and one uh, gender nonconforming shopmate. So, and, and that's because of the culture we've created there and with the support of our boss who, who takes it really seriously to like uplift women and, and people of that's color it. in the that field. That is. That's fantastic. Yeah, wow. yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and when, like you said too, like uh, you kind of had that drive from from doing some carpentry type work and stuff, and not feeling very, uh, you know, competent in in that, and then wanting to learn more, and and be, so you can come out after current off school being like, yeah, I, I fucking I know what I'm doing, you know, yeah. and, and ha- here's some of my work. What's up, you know? <laughs> it's like, so that's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I think one of the best things I got out of the Cornell School was the confidence that I can actually do really, really good woodworking. And the things that I had worked on prior to the school, I had kind of done in a vacuum in the shop in Oakland, and I hadn't, you know, I didn't have anyone to show it to, to be like, yes, you actually know what you're doing. And so not having the confidence, the world not having confidence in women in shops, I didn't have the confidence myself to be like, I can't actually do this. And then when I went to the Cornell School, I was like, oh, actually, I'm really good at this. <laughs> and then, yeah. It's, and a lot of that is changing. I mean, you see tons of, it's true. of females, woodworkers, and other craft just diving in because it is so prevalent now with the capability of learning, for one. People just being immersed and seeing it. And yeah. it just, you know, you're bombarded with yeah, all this, this information so people are like, hey, I want to do that. I can do that. And so I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's definitely, a, you know, I really respect people like Nancy Hiller, who was doing this a really long time ago, before there were other women in the field to even have reference to or or, or right. see that they could actually be that person. So That's what my beautiful lady says about riding a Harley. Because I was riding a bike way before women were doing it. <laughs> so um i thought it was really interesting that creatives in eshrick that i was listening to earlier how you were talking about some of the quiet look of your pieces or uh, the simplicity in furniture or uh, i think you described it as quiet complexity i thought that was Mm -hmm. really cool can you kind of elaborate on some of that in some of your work yeah, I, I think I just make pieces that people often misinterpret as simple if they don't understand the technical aspects of woodworking, mm-hmm. um, which is most of the world because you kind of don't understand it till you do it and get into it. But I think thing I think everything I make is pretty understated uh, while being original and, and somewhat complicated to build. Because that's so. really challenging to make something that looks simple, but yet inherently or integrated in the design is some complexity so i i love that thanks yeah and i really enjoy 
making forms that I haven't really seen before. Mm -hmm. That's really, um, the design is just as much fun to me and just as important to me as the technical side of woodworking. I I don't want to just reproduce things that I've already seen. Uh, While that does take problem solving and skill, like obviously plenty of skill, the coming up with an idea, a, a form, and then figuring out how to make that not being based off of anything I've seen before is the most fun to me. That's what really keeps me going in the craft. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. The, crea- right. the and, creative and with, process. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and with that, it's not that it has to be so unique and original that it's, you know, yes, it is a one of a kind piece, but it's still, I mean, and hopefully I'm not uh, speaking out of times, but it's still grounded um, you know, in, in like what's been done before. Like when mm-hmm. I look at your stuff, it is. It's it, like people say it looks very simple. It's, I mean, it's it's my aesthetic. I love this type work, which is very, very clean. And the closer you get to that piece, you could see all the little details and the love and care that's gone into every aspect of it. And it is a unique form, but you kind of break it down. It's like there's a lot of traditional kind of work that's going within that you know and you've just somewhat balanced it all together um and i don't i mean i'm talking out my you know what but i it, it's just it's it, there's just something very very pleasing um and I, and I think the proportions and the fact that it is not so for me it's not so out there um it, it doesn't seem unfamiliar to me it's it's a yeah and the grain and everything else like you you take a lot of time uh selecting the word and too much but, time. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a, that's a Cornell yeah. school. I can't yeah. shake. I can't shake that. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and paying a lot of attention to the grain and being really careful about your selection process is yeah. something that um, because the design matters to me so much, and because I think it shows so much care, uh, and and that a lot is the quietness that people that is kind of imperceptible. Like people can't mm-hmm. understand why the piece feels yeah. harmonious, and it's because right. someone took the time to select the correct select grain. The right yeah, grain. it's all these th- yeah. little details that they're not really seeing individually, but as a whole, like you said, it's all yeah. cohesive they, they, they and would harmonious. Right. Other- yeah. If you took. If you took like one of your pieces and then like did another one rendering and just threw in just whatever the hell grain in it, right. they will then notice. Right. You know? it, it, and, and I think that's cool though. Like it's okay that they don't notice it. Like they're, they're obviously they're noticing it, but they don't know what they're noticing. Right. You know, it's it's pleasing to them. But yeah, it is. Grain selection is is probably one of the things that most people doing starting out woodworking don't think about, mm-hmm. and even kind of as the interwood working quite a bit don't think about the more focus on techniques and how to cut dovetails and just that the other but it is one of the hugest things about the piece uh, that really makes or breaks uh, a good design but yeah, yeah it's just really cool I, I really think it's like a like a subtle resignation or resignation resonate <laughs> Resi- <laughs> <laughs> i'll give you my resignation <laughs> <laughs> where you have something that's that's subtle and simple but for for some reason everything everything is right everything looks right and it mm-hmm. and it, it it can have a calming effect on you it can have a um you know you, it, for whatever reason you're attracted to it you know it, it, it's the same thing in it, it's it's a universal across so many different art forms whether it's music or or you know poetry you had you had mentioned um you know your interest in in poetry on on a couple of the other 
podcast. The other the other things that you've you've been on, we should probably just mention that so people can hear those because we listened to those and they were wonderful. It yeah, they the, were. It was interesting. It was, it was really the, interesting. The Eshrick. So so why don't you just plug those the the two things that you that you sent to me? You know, so people can go and listen to those also. Sure. Uh, the thing that I did recently was called Creatives on Eshrick, and I'm. I think most people who are interested in woodworking know about Wharton Eshrick, but he was a woodworker. Uh, he kind of started the studio furniture movement, and <clears throat> he was a huge inspiration to me, and so I was really flattered when they asked me to participate in this ongoing series that they've done where they ask woodworkers and other creatives to kind of speak on their relationship to his work and how it's had an impact on their own. And then a couple people now myself included, where have done uh, this kind of like conversation about the things that we wrote about and, and more in our own work. So it can be found on YouTube, I think, uh, Creatives on Eshrick. If you just Google Creatives on Eshrick, Sarah Watlington, it should pop up. And then the other, th- the other podcast I've been on was, it's called... Um, remodel your life podcast i think it's called Mm -hmm. and it's like specifically like women in the trades and that is also probably can be googled at that same in that same format but um yeah Yeah, both were really fun to do we'd we'd put it in the show notes if we knew how to do that (laughs) (laughs) you better figure that out ben that's your job (laughs) yeah well i better yeah Yeah. i better do that (laughs) Get, get on it well, we could put it in the post when we post. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, they, going back to that design, you know, I, I I just really think that that's like when you can capture that, it's it's kind of a magical thing uh, to be able to to capture the simple, you know, and that doesn't mean that it's simple to make, but it, a, a simple form that's that resonates and attracts or. Who who knows exactly what that is? There are some things, but I mean, your work definitely through through visually seeing the photos of your work. I mean, that's uh, that's what is so attractive to to me about it. You know, what always gets me though is like with a with pieces from the Kronoff school, the scale, and so it always blows my mind. Cause I have a friend that uh, went, but so like your what is it? It's, it's like a it's like a rectangular cabinet side side cabinet on stand turns legs tapered really beautiful piece. But you know I'm thinking I'm thinking it's a pretty big piece, and then you see it at that show, yeah. The other pieces, and it's like it, and it just makes it even more like I love it more because it's like it's it's dainty, you know, like it's not proportionally wrong or anything. It's proportionally perfect, but it's way smaller than you would think from like some of the other pictures of it. Um, but that seems to be kind of that, that Kronoff Kronovian thing. thing. <laughs> yeah. These small, small, sweet, I forget how, uh, Laura, uh, kind of worded it. She had like an acronym. I'm small, not... solid, simple, sweet. There you go. That I, would was... never, I would never remember that. <laughs> like, but <laughs> well, you know, a part of that is just, um, because there's not much, that much space. Bench, yeah. <laughs> you know, everyone gets a bench, but your right. bench is, um, you, you only have a couple feet between your sure. bench and you share it with another person. So you actually just can't build things that are bigger right. than your bench. That's cool. Which I kind of think's cool though. Cause it's, oh, it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. Like I love building small pieces when yeah. I get a chance where that small pieces that you put that much care and thought into. There's somehow um, a, an automatic refinement of sorts because you're working with such 
dainty components to begin with. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And you get out into the world and everybody wants giant dining tables and you just <laughs> fantasize about those yeah. sweet little cabinets you get to make in school. I know when people actually in the program, when people do want to make larger things, uh, I remember when I came back for the second year after having worked at Offerman for almost 10 months, when people wanted to build big things, I was like, no, make it small. Make it small. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> You'll do big for, from here on out. Just make it small while you can. So do you yeah. get commissions requests at Offerman's Woodshop that aren't a good fit that you all don't do? Or yeah, does that how not does that happen? work? Does that not happen very often? Yeah. Right. Well, Offerman has been around. Offerman Woodshop has been around for a number of years and has a portfolio of it work from different people that have worked there over the years. And there's a general aesthetic mm. that has a lot to do with slabs and yeah. kind of pretty large furniture, which uh, it's pretty obvious looking at my work that that's not really my leaning. Um, but I'm able to, so people often come with kind of pretty large needs and desires. And then, I mean, the only time that people aren't a good fit I mean, I'm open to all challenges. Like, I'm really excited when people come for something like the record player. Or I got to make this uh, backgammon board a couple of years ago, which was really fun. Anytime I get to kind of mix up. And, and now that I'm in the rhythm of kind of having a, a grasp on the job, having done it a couple of years now, I, I can kind of see the commissions coming. And I, I actually try and situate them so that they, they kind of balance each other out, you know, something really big, hopefully followed by something small, something really rectilinear, followed by something more shaped and curved. And because I have a lot of creative freedom there and because um, people often come with general needs but not a really specific desire, I more and more I'm able to kind of understand how I can put my own touch on the things that, that people uh, want from Offerman Woodshop and, yeah. I mean, you know, you guys know, you have to build plenty of things that you're not that excited about, and that's just the name of the game. And then when really, when things that do really resonate with you come through, you just ask what kind of keeps you going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you so just end that's... up making it more of what you want. Some of your. It's true, but aesthetics. when someone wants to. When someone wants a 16-foot dining table, it's just it doesn't matter what my aesthetic right. is. It's not. It's a 16-foot dining table. It's a 16-foot dining table. Well, <laughs> and and so, uh, I hope I can. I'm okay asking this, but uh, you're kind of in a bit of a different situation too, or maybe you're not. But um, you said you have pretty much a lot of um, kind of the flexibility to what you take on and stuff like that. Uh, these pieces i'm just kind of curious how this works because it's so it's nick offerman's shop are you you are you building underneath his brand um and so is it uh, is are there some stuff that you're taking on that you know if you had your own shop you might not take on i mean i know there's the whole you gotta survive type thing but as a part of it like you kind of have to take on somebody's jobs because that's what they expect from this shop and then you try to work with it the best you can. I mean, is that kind of how that goes? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have a, I can't really turn down. You know, okay. I, we have to make enough money to survive. So I don't, I don't ever turn down a, a big slab table top because I don't want to do it. But I just make sure that if I have a number of commissions that are large slab dining tables. I really work hard to get that one commission. That's that interesting thing that right. really pushes me and that I like doing for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
But yeah, you so, don't have uh, a lot of you don't, flexibility. It, there. No, no, no. I can't be like ah, no, thank you. Yeah, oh, no, thank you. no. You, right. you take whatever you can get because it's a hard game. But yeah. No, but, that, that makes that makes sense. Yeah. So, are, are you doing all like the you know, uh, the the work comes in, it's coming to you. Mm-hmm. You're 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 price you're designing it, you're pricing it, you're doing everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty cool. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, the whole that's thing. Awesome. And the other employees did, are they shipping. participating in these projects or are they working on? They mostly work on their, the smaller products. Oh, that's, yeah. Oh, you mentioned that. Mm, okay. Yeah. The other the other. The other three people on the floor, um, well, there's two full-time, uh, two of my coworkers are full-time, and they're really wonderful, and they care about woodworking, but they also have many other passions and interests in life. I just have one. It's just woodworking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're we're kind of lame like that. You know? I know. <laughs> Friends like, what's your hobby? I'm like... Woodworking. We should start a we should start a woodworkers podcast. What should we call it? Yeah, right. <laughs> we get creative. Yeah, so they're, so they they've never like gotten an education in woodworking, or they're not really interested in in um, right. pursuing it as a profession. But they're really good at at you know making making the things that do make us a fair amount of money. Actually, nice. So how much time how much time do you think that you're spending? With clients. That's always an interesting uh, mm. thing, you know, because if you're doing design build stuff with with people mm-hmm. and you're just like the rest of us are, you know, one one person shows, mm-hmm. um, you've got, you have to, you, you have to do the work, but you also have to spend time with with folks you know whether it's whether it's the furniture side of things or i've spent the last couple of days bidding jobs um mm-hmm. um that are doors and windows and architectural millwork stuff uh, i'd be interested to hear like like what kind of time you're, you're spending yeah the balance we all, we all yeah. think of we all think oh we're a woodworker you know but man there's a lot of time that you spend that's not doing not woodworking, woodworking when you're trying to be a professional woodworker right. Yeah, trying to get get those jobs bid in it phone calls emails yeah, yeah. yeah. do do you have um do do you have a system like so that you you're not getting too distracted all the time or just figuring it out <laughs> I'm just figuring it out i mean yeah. i i I do realize now that it's very hard for me to jump between the design and the designing and building if i'm i if I'm in a project i just i my brain really just wants to zero in on that one project and it's it's kind of like what fills up my whole brain and then I work really really hard on it until it's done and then I and then I ship it out that that is my preferred working method so it's actually really hard for me like yeah same Ben this last week I actually just caught up on uh, a number of designs for future commissions because I seem to be once I get the momentum on the designing and bidding going it's easier for me to do that and then Mm. I had just finished up and sent out a project last week, so I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm still pretty new to the game. I mean, I've been professionally doing woodworking for only a couple of years. I've been woodworking for, I don't know, like eight now. But yeah, so I, I'm still figuring it out, and I, I, I think there's. I'm actually. I'm also learning, kind of client character profiles if that makes sense i'm like oh this is that one type of person like if they come in like super enthusiastic with a ton of ideas and they but they don't really know what they want like they're gonna be a really big headache whereas and also someone really smart once told me like if the first thing they ask you is how much it's gonna cost you probably shouldn't spend that much time on it because it's gonna be more than they can afford uh so stuff like that is just something i'm learning as i go it's like uh, okay i understand 
some clients it's the the like massaging of the process is really worth it because you know they're going to actually follow through or you know they're going to be able to afford the level of furniture that you make and some people you're like ah it'd be great to make that for you but like clearly it's not gonna happen or they're really annoying and they have no idea what they want and they're never going to know what they want and it's never going to be right (laughs) yeah yep yeah you 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 kind of i think that's just it it's uh the, the more you do it the more you learn you know right you you see that you're like you know it's coming it's mm-hmm. like yep nope moving on mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you, or you just throw you throw out a price it's like right it's going to be ballpark this amount before you even do anything right and it's like if they disappeared and that was good you yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. yeah 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 and we some, uh, wait, oh go ahead I, i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> um all i was going to say there's only so much time you only have yeah, you only have so much time that you can that you can put you've got x amount of time that needs to be that you need to be working in the shop and mm-hmm. there's only so much time that you can spend trying to get work um and yeah that balance is i don't know that, that's that, that's that's probably my biggest biggest challenge you know i can mm-hmm. i can do woodworking just fine you need to hire someone yeah do you work are you solo in your shop ben yeah yep yeah yeah yeah, nope. and, I, and, I, and I and I and I put up with him, but I'll. Yeah, it's true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I do I do partner at times, and I and I found that that has worked where people are there, kind of their own entities. Um, but maybe you get something that's that's too big to do yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you so you so you partner up. Well, especially yep. the work you do, Ben. I mean, it's that's yeah. like a whole building yeah, with restoration. Yeah, a whole building of freaking windows. I'm like, yeah, where you have to just move your whole shop into that building. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a strange yeah. And I I didn't I wasn't that wasn't my goal when I was getting started. You know, yeah. Like anything, you do what what someone will pay you to do, and and something that's you know it's that combination of of um of capital and interest, uh, woodworking uh, related, <laughs> right? Yeah, and and stuff that's stuff that's interesting to do, but also. You know, you've got to pay the bills, um, so there has to be income. But talking more about that, the balance with with you, Sarah, have you been able to find a balance? Are you able to find a balance? Do you guys not deal with clients at, at certain times and like have windows of this is when this is when we deal with folks or? No, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm constantly communicating with people who inquire about commissions. Um, I'm Offerman's really lucky because it has a lot of the challenge of woodworking is finding work. And because I work at a shop with a really public figurehead, people often come to us. So thankfully I don't have to do a lot of outreach. People often come to us for commissions and then it's just kind of sussing out who's serious about it or who, who can actually do it. And uh, yeah. And um, no, so I'm, I'm constantly trying to do both the design, the like back end and the front end. I'm also trying to get better at delegation. I'm a bit of a control freak. And especially about the pieces that I'm making, if they're kind of, I, I seem to be able to let go of things if they're not designs that I'm particularly excited about or, or that are particularly interesting or original. But if it's something I've really put a lot of work into the design being a really original thing, I pretty much can't delegate anything. And I'm trying to get better at that. <laughs> that would be a challenge. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, because I think it's really good. Like I have wonderful coworkers who are good at helping me with kind of the the grunt work of the larger projects and. So I've gotten yeah. I've gotten better about and we have some like guest woodworker friends in LA that come on who help me with various projects as well. So That's awesome. Yeah, that that's that's a that's a huge huge thing to, uh, when you recognize like okay, I need a I can't do it all. Um mm-hmm. and I need a I know that that was a a friend of mine told me that because I was trying to do the website, I was trying to do the marketing, I was I was trying to do everything, the books. I mean, and again, my wife, she's home and she does all the books and stuff. And then we got an accountant, but it's like just just kind of realizing, like Ben said, there's only so much time. But it is a weird thing. Like even for me, it's and it seems like this happens when when you have your own business, and it seems like that six year. As your own business, this kind of happens. You 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 start getting to that point where you you gotta you gotta hire someone to be able mm-hmm. to continue to grow, mm-hmm. um, and with that, then your position kind of changes too. So like you know, talk about like time with c- c- clients and getting the jobs and stuff. It's it's weird. Like I don't get in the shop as much as I you know people think. Oh, you just go into the shop, you know, and and just do your thing. It's like very very rare. But for myself, I do have to start thinking like, leave my phone out of the shop. Don't let Instagram distract you. Don't you don't need to answer these emails right now because it that kills me. Like the choppiness kills mm-hmm. me. I gotta get focused, and it takes me work to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I can't imagine. I mean, that's got to be like I said. You're you're figuring it out, and and you'll come up with your your systems and stuff. But even being a more public kind of you know having nick up people i'm sure you get a lot of uh requests which is wonderful um but yeah it's it's hot <laughs> it's 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 tough tough balance I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit about your sarah your your new work or or maybe your goals or directions um, yeah. in the future i i wanted to ask without throwing you under the bridge are you thinking about doing your own shop one day <laughs> oh don't don't uh, worry, no, uh, Nick won't hear this <laughs> podcast. Nick, Nick's not going to listen to this. Nick, no. I'll never leave. <laughs> um, honestly, it would be pretty hard to. Uh, it, it will be a while before I leave right. Offerman because it's it's uh, it's a really great place like to work, um, and it takes a lot of the. Like we are a small business, and there is pressure, but I'm I have an hourly wage and. I don't have to worry as much about, you know, will my own shop sink or swim? Um, and, and because I have other, other interests and like, there are other things in my life that are as important to me as woodworking. I, that's not what you said earlier. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) No, no, I'm like a multidimensional person. I have like many interests. (laughs) Um, but, but yeah, so it's hard to say. Well, I, I have actually been um, kind of exploring other materials. I really love wood, and uh, I will always do woodworking. But, yeah, I've been exploring more kind of like sculpture and art and you talked about working with clay. clay. Yeah. yeah. How about metals? Yeah. Brass, I love, bronze, I don't, gold? I don't love metal. I'd be interested. I would be interested in casting metal. I think yeah. molten metal is 
freaking cool, but I am not, I really do, I don't like working with metal. It's a different, I can have wood filth and wood splinters all day long, but metal filth metal and metal splinters yeah. is like, it's just a oh, little God. too rough yeah. for my taste. Yeah. Yeah. So not, not so much metal. Brass is okay. Casting metal would be really cool. Uh, but no, I, I'm not really sure. I, I'm interested in like, yeah, clay, plaster, kind of mixed media uh, sculpture and stuff. But that's cool. Well, and you and you have uh, a, a pretty artistic. I mean, I know obviously, fat, but you don't you draw too, or am I wrong? I'm a decent drawer. I would. Yeah, say I thought I, I saw some of your drawings. I was like, yeah, no, that's pretty cool. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I used to draw a lot, actually. I used okay. to, it used to be a really, the practice of, of drawing was a really consistent thing in my life, but not so much anymore. It is mostly woodworking. It's mostly right, woodworking. Right, right, right. <laughs> do, do you see yourself like taking any more classes and, and, and kind of maybe down the avenue of, of exploring new things? Uh, yeah. Well, with woodworking, I feel like I, probably wouldn't take any any no no that i feel like like, plaster or casting and stuff like that maybe yeah i think that'd be really fun i think that'd be really fun i keep saying that too (laughs) yeah right one day i would love to cast i had a friend a jewelry maker that cast my 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 brass or bronze uh pools for my cabinet Oh, nice. um, for a few cabinets I did and uh-huh. then he left he went back to LA dang it um, but man I would, I would love to do that super cool like, yeah. to, to be able to cast and, and be able to incorporate it into the furniture I agree yeah yeah I think that would be really it's hard fun. to say I mean you might it's, you know in five years ten years your whole direction it's a different path so that's really the, the wonderment of woodworking or any craft really is that you're you're on this path and you think that you know what you're doing or what you're liking. And in two years you look back and think, wow, I didn't think I would ever be doing this or, yeah. and, um, with wood and woodworking and because this is what we're doing, there are, it's just such a blue sky. I mean, you could do marquetry or carving or cabinets. I mean, whatever. It's just, it's a, such a yeah, huge endless. medium. You never really know the direction that you're going to yeah, be it's going. Like, it, it's like all those good things that you can just you can go as deep as you want, or or go in any direction. Um, and and going back to your work, Sarah, and working at at Offerman, I, I I think another thing that is important to point out is the education that you're getting. Oh yeah. Now from from uh, I mean doing spec pieces um you know uh, coming out of the Cranoff school and and now you're you're getting this experience and and again that the 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 portfolio of of work that uh, of work of that is the direction where you you want to go i mean that's a that that's such a huge thing to be afforded uh to mm-hmm. to, to be able to do that gosh that that's a a dream mm-hmm. for a lot of folks yeah i feel really lucky that there's a cup, a couple things a year that I make as commissions for Offerman that I put in my own personal portfolio because I think I'm I'm pretty picky about what I put forth as my own personal work, but I feel lucky that any of the things that I make get to go in that because I know a lot of really talented woodworkers who work in production shops or you know make right. have to make bigger sacrifices on the things that they make and never not often get to make things that they're 
that really speak their voice. And so right. the fact that I get to do that at all, I feel really lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the experience that you're getting with dealing with clients. That's right. I mean, that's yeah, the business side design, of it. I mean, yeah, sh- all of that. Just ex- yeah, the, the, bidding. bidding. Yeah, yeah bidding. There's a learning curve. Oh, gosh. <laughs> just double it. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever triple, you think it's going to take, it, just triple. double or triple yeah. it. Yeah. When you, when, you get, when you get that figured out, you know, we'll have you back on. <laughs> yeah. And you okay. can tell us <laughs> about how that all happened. Tell us your secret. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had a question. I, I know you've, you've taught some, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have any more plans to teach classes? Yeah. Do you see that kind of in your future? Yeah, well, the COVID shut down all the classes right. uh, uh, last let's Im- year. Let's imagine COVID's not a thing. <laughs> okay, COVID's not a thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I will Sucks. actually be teaching. I'll I'll start teaching at Allied Woodshop in Los Angeles, where I was teaching before. Uh, I think in a month or so. Uh, oh wow! Teaching teaching some like eight week intro courses, build a table type of thing. Right. Um, I think that I'm also going to be teaching an online class for, do you guys know a, a workshop of our own in Baltimore? It's like a women and non-binary yeah, workshop. Um, I'll be teaching actually a kind of a, a Zoom scale model making class because oh, I do awesome. like them so much. So I'll be teaching kind of a how to design and build uh, in scale and kind of like a, a broader design course. But yeah, I think teaching's cool. I think it's not... Um, I think that going to the Krenov school and watching the way that those teachers interact with students, it's really, really, really uh, kind of romantic and everyone really like glorifies them, rightfully so, because they have so much knowledge and they just kind of like, you know, float around the room and help people figure out these really complex problems. And uh, in my experience, teaching woodworking has been a little, a little bit less glamorous. You're kind of like yelling over joiners and dust collection how to not cut off your fingers when you're using the machines and um i think if i could have opportunity to teach more um advanced courses i would definitely do that i would be really interested in that yeah i think i really i think teaching is really rewarding and i really enjoy Mm -hmm. kind of wrapping with students and helping them figure out their own problems and uh, I do that, you know, there's a little bit of kind of mentorship kind of with yeah. people that come into my shop that work with me. I, I, I'm often teaching them things. I teach my coworkers things. So I have friends that are interested in woodworking who come to me for things. So, yeah, I think Would sharing... you be willing to go to Florida to teach? Maybe. What's in Florida? Uh, Florida School of Woodworking. Kate, do you know Kate Swan? I'm not I'll, sure. I'll put her in touch with you. The reason I ask is so Kate, Kate is a wonderful woman uh, t- uh and she has a great school in florida I, I teach her a few times a year and you know she asked me like hey i want to get some more woodworkers obviously some more you know women like kick-ass woodworkers and uh, i think meredith M- meredith hart is uh, i forget her last name mm-hmm. i think it's hart but so she's gonna be teaching there but anyhow little sidetrack but yeah i'll mention if and you could say no if you want to but i think it'd be awesome uh, to have you teach a class there and yeah. it'd be a more advanced type class cool um, yeah. Anyway. yeah that sounds fun florida is very far away but i'm down it is yeah i'm down it <laughs> <laughs> <That> sounds fun <laughs> cool. you get you get to a certain distance it's all just a plane ride i know right, right? So, yeah. right. Yeah. no that's, I, cool. I, that's really cool though that you are i mean some people just 
they've they've tried it, they've hated it, um, and I get what you're saying. Like it may not be as romantic and stuff, but I think the more advanced type classes definitely do get you know because you have some more experience. But even then, it's still it's not it's not the Kronoff school. It's not the Kronoff unless school, you're yeah. teaching at the Kronoff school. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's a bit of a different deal. But yeah, anyhow, yeah, I think that's uh, ad- admirable to 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 know that you were fortunate that you could go and take that class and be willing to share what you've known and and for people to see your face doing it like it's it's huge so very cool yeah yeah i think in general it feels important to be a voice in the world of woodworking just to make sure that like a a diversity of voices are heard and so teaching part of teaching is that for me just Mm -hmm. kind of being like i used to teach these woodworking classes for kids and I, i think it's fun to do that because they don't know much about the world then we're just kind of everything is laid on us in the way that we're supposed to perceive the world and so when they see a woodworker who looks like me early on in their life it's just easy for them to yeah mm-hmm. never blink see, an eye see, that yeah. there's like plenty of different types of people in the world that see do woodworking them, see themselves in it yeah 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 and another thing i've mentioned this before enough but like my daughter it took her a while but you know amanda's been working with with me i think actually now she worked for me part-time for quite some time but full-time i think six months and my daughter you know was like wait amanda works here i'm like yeah she goes what does she do i'm like she's a woodworker it's like she's a woodworker and you know she, it did it's like but she's a girl and i like i felt horrible dad i'm like what the hell and like <laughs> what is going on but it's, it is it's like just in her head she didn't connect you know? and it's not like my my wife's in there working with me at times, and but she just yeah, and she's the one that's most interested in it. So it's it's cool. She gets to see someone like herself doing something that's typically not done by women. Anyhow, but yeah, that's that's super cool. Yeah, do you think she's gonna take up woodworking? At this, I have no idea at this age, but um, she's she's the artistic one for mm-hmm. sure. Um, mm-hmm. And and I would love her to. You know, I got four kids, and they're all so freaking different from each other. It's ridiculous. Uh, so who knows? Um, all of them are welcome. Yeah, two girls, two boys. All, all are welcome. Same. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I might try to push them away from being a furniture maker as a profession. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know that they, they probably <coughs> sweep a lot, maybe. Yo, they, they're in there. They do all kinds. They, I mean, they go in and they're around it, and that's what's important to me. You know, like they right. see yeah. it and they're around. But right. yeah, yeah, it'd yeah. be interesting to it's, see. It's 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 cool to see. I know I've got I've got three three boys myself, and uh, yeah, it's always interesting. You know, same recipe, completely different cakes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's freaky. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. cool. All right, on. Well, Sarah, thanks thanks so much. Yeah. For dealing with us, uh, putting up, up with us. us. <laughs> um, thanks for having me. Besides that, you're teaching. Are there is there something? Where, where can people find yeah. you? What's your yeah. Instagram handle? Uh, my Instagram handle is my name, Sarah underscore Watlington, W-A-T-L-I-N-G-T-O-N. And I have a website, sarahwatlington.com. And yeah, you can find me on the Offerman website a little bit. Uh, I'm just, I'm on the internet. You can find me pretty easy. <laughs> I'm on the internet. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, and do, do you have anything coming up that you know whatever like if it's like you said there's some zoom class and stuff that you want to just plug i mean anything you want to plug right now you have at it cool yeah so uh i'll be teaching on april 10th i believe a an online course in 
kind of the design process and scale model making, and that'll be through a workshop of our own, so that's specifically for women and trans and non-binary people. And then I'll be teaching an intro to furniture making course at Allied Woodshop in Los Angeles starting in April. I think you can still sign up for that if you're local in Los Angeles, and that's in-person education. And yeah, I already plugged the scholarship that I'm really excited about, but I'll plug it again. If you are a woodworker of color or aspiring woodworker of color, you should apply for this scholarship for the summer program at the Krenov School. It can be found at the Krenov Foundation's website, uh, krenovfoundation.com, and then you go to the scholarships and you'll see it's called the BIPOC Summer Scholarship. And I would, I would really encourage people to do that. Phil, you donated a piece to our raffle, and I'm really grateful for that. We were really, oh, yeah. It was a really impressive show of support. We raised $34,000 in a, nice. three weeks of raffles Amazing. for those scholarships. So yeah. people really showed up. And, and now it's cool to finally be implementing them because that was, yeah, that was awesome. last summer. So, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, those are the things. You guys are awesome. Yeah. Hey, I've got, I've got one last question that I, I meant to ask before. When you were talking about your scale models, what scale? I mean, that's, I mean, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) usually it's usually, well, for like chairs or something, it's one to four or, uh, three inches to a foot, uh, one fourth scale. And if it's tables or larger pieces, it's usually, uh, one to six or one to eight or something. But yeah. you're, try- you're you're you are trying to build within that scale, though. I mean, or yeah, like or I, I, yeah, it's it's to scale. Like you could you could scale it up, and it would be proportional. Yeah, sure. And I I use scale, architectural scale drawings, and uh, yeah, because yeah. it's really useful. Because uh, I I I truly reference the scale models while I'm in the building phase, whether it's taking angles off of them or measuring measuring the pieces and say okay that's a quarter inch which means in this scale it's you know mm-hmm. an inch and a half or whatever i think that's really important even with sketches that you're trying to get close to scale so totally you, yeah. so you can reference off or if you're showing it to somebody they can yeah i suck at that like i i'm so bad at sketching and I'll do a sketch, and I know this is no use for anyone else but us, but I like do this little sketch, and I, I get excited, and I love the look of it, and I'm like, that's not, the, that, that scale's all wrong. Like, the record player and app's not going to fit in that. That has to be wider, and the records are so big, and that's not big enough, you know? And it's like, dang it. And so when you start really taking it to scale, you start realizing, okay, I need to switch it up a little bit. But Definitely. But you got yeah. to start with that spark, though, too. Yeah, that, that yeah, yeah. Spark and- Exactly, and that's what I use. And then that make it, for. and then they make the spark work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They make the spark work. Well, cool. Build that's, a fire. Yeah, super, right. Super cool. Ooh, All righty, guys. That well, thanks thank so you. much again. Yeah. Appreciate, appreciate appreciate having you on. Um, yeah, absolutely. Ramon, you want to do your thing? You want to? Yeah, Sarah. Thank you thing. so much. It was fantastic having you. We we appreciate it, and thank you all once again for listening in to another episode of woodworkers podcast we always appreciate it if you have any questions about this show or past shows or topics of suggestion for future shows shoot us an email and that's info at woodworkerspodcast.com and so on behalf of the creative 
interesting and talented Sarah Watlington and co-host Ben Brunick and Philip Morley. I am Ramon Valdez, and we'll catch you right here on the next episode of Woodworkers Podcast. Thanks, Ton. All right. Take care. Thank you, Sarah, so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much, Sarah. Talk soon. Thanks. Ciao. Yeah, man.